0: I'm grateful and thankful that I get to share the word today. Um, Jesus has kind of been convicting me lately, because if you know me well, you know that I am not one that likes to stand up and talk in front of people. And sometimes I hear people say, really? But really, really? But he's been convicting me lately, and really just saying, "You have an opportunity that you were given." And I don't know why sometimes. Probably just because I was born in it. And if you don't know, my dad was a pastor and started the church a long time ago, when I was just a little girl. And our family has kind of been blessed to just stay here, <laughs> and and give the truth of the word together. And. You know, he's, he's challenged me and said, a lot of women don't have a, an opportunity, right? And so this message kind of comes from that, and it's a little harder, usually, than I planned to give on a Sunday morning. I shared it in a midweek a couple weeks ago, and um, felt and was confirmed that the Lord wanted me to share it with you. So, it might ruffle your feathers a little bit. <laughs> but I do it with a soft voice. I won't yell <laughs> and I won't scream. Um, but it's entitled Truth for Sale. And if you open your Bible to Proverbs 23 23, this is going to be the text for our message today. And when, I'll get back to Revelation, um, continue in Revelation. But but this this word is timely. Let's read Proverbs 23:23. 23, 23. It says, "Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding." So every single day we are confronted by or presented with an offer to buy truth. And I'm asking today, are you selling? Are you selling truth? You know, we've always heard that term, everyone has a price. Do you? Right? Do you have a price for the truth that you carry? In a world of my truth, right, everybody has my truth, we as sons and daughters of God know the person of truth. And he is our bridegroom. And just knowing who he is is not enough. He requires us to live in truth. Jesus is our way, our truth, and our life. And something's happening in the kingdom right now where there's a shifting. There's a, there's a shaking, you know, a sifting, like you put something in that sifter and there's a sifting. And Jesus is challenging us to stand for truth. And to not sell it. We are being called to walk in truth, and that means walking in Jesus. Truth is absolute. You ever heard that? Truth is absolute. Truth is actually defined as the true or actual state of a matter, a verified or indisputable fact, proposition or principle, it's reality. Truth is reality. (laughs) Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, truth never changes, does it? It remains true. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, and you're going to, we'll read a little bit of scripture here today, so I hope that's okay. But it says, for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is truth. Jesus Christ is Lord is never changing, right? That is the absolute truth that we build our existence on. (laughs) Regardless if we agree, believe, or understand, he is still Lord. It says every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, not just us in this room. But every person on earth, right? Jesus is Lord, is absolute truth. You know, about 30 or 40 years ago, we all began to hear the term relative truth. Remember? I think I was in school, and I remember every, the alarms going off. They're teaching them relative truth. They're teaching them relative truth. Because relative truth is the belief that truth changes based on how the individual understands it. So how you understand truth is your truth. No. There are no absolute truths in relative truth. They believe that you have your truth and I have mine. And the one reason that relative truth is so attractive to people is that they can create their own reality. We can't create our own reality one that frees them to do whatever they want. Paul warns Timothy that this idea will even seep into the church. And that's found in 2 Timothy 4. Jot it down so you can read it, because I don't think I have a screen for that one. But it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is truth, right? People won't put up with it, but instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. So the popular teachers, right, the ones that crowds gather, not all of them, please don't, you know, not all of them, but people gather the teachers that will say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. And Paul is warning Timothy that this is even going to happen in the church. But each of us are responsible to hold fast to absolute truth. And this absolute truth is only found in God's word. And in God's word, he tells us who he is. He tells us who we are. And he tells us what we are supposed to be doing here on this earth. Absolute truth. Amen? Amen. So we see the teachers, sometimes on Instagram, sometimes, you know, wherever, and the prophets giving us watered-down versions of the gospel that props up self-absorbed Christianity at worst and spoon-feeds us character development at best we need to be taught the truth of the word of God we need to be taught sound doctrine we have to teach the Bible we have to be ready to eat the Bible (laughs) anybody heard of the carnivore diet (laughs) right meat for breakfast Meat for lunch and meat for dinner. <laughs> That's the, this is the diet that we need. <laughs> steak, right? Give me steak for breakfast, steak for lunch, and steak for dinner. We need the truth of this word. The danger is that when truth becomes relative in a society, absolute truth is then viewed as oppressive, as confining, as burdensome. And there is a day coming very soon that we are going to experience this in our own lives. This is the blueprint of a totalitarian state. Truth is relative only to the political power and the control of the government. We saw this in Germany, Russia, and China totalitarianism. It's a form of government that theoretically permits no individual freedom and that seeks to subordinate all aspects of individual life to the authority of the state. We've seen this happen in history over and over and over again. And I know some of you are squirming now because I actually said totalitarianism in church. (laughs) but it decides truth for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Times have evolved, though. We don't, we're not going to have another Mussolini. Not right away, at least. We won't have another Hitler. Not right away, at least. We won't have another Stalin or a Mao. Times have evolved. Now, we are more advanced. And for now, the gulags will be closed. They're a thing of the past. We, now we have the pink police. We have the Crocker Park robots. Have you seen them yet? The ones that record everything. Totalitarianism now is soft. Truth is relative in order to help and to heal, not isolate and comfort those in their own reality, right? Right? And it's directed, it's therapeutic, and it's directed through organizations and institutions and corporations. Doesn't even have to go to the government yet. They do it all for them. Google, Facebook, Instagram, with surveillance and algorithms and societal narratives that overwhelm us with relative truth. Why am I talking politics in church? Because it's truth. We have to be willing to talk and dissect absolute and relative truth so that we know where we are going and we know where we are walking. Amen? It's time to walk in truth. You know, there's this term, and I read this book, and and if you're interested in, it's called Live Not by Lies by Rod Dreher, and they're actually getting ready to make a documentary about this book. This author, he interviews a number of people who lived behind the Iron Curtain, Czechoslovakia, um, Hungary, Russia, in the time where they were making their stand against communism he explained a term called Ketman. Anybody heard that term before? I had never heard it before, Ketman. And this term, it's a hard definition to explain, but it basically describes when you have an inward resistance, when you don't agree, you have an inward resistance, but on the outward, you kind of go along with the ideology or the rule or the truth, right, of communism, because you just want to get along. You don't want to deal with people getting mad at you. You don't want to lose that relationship. You just, you just go along to get along. Anybody ever feel that way? I mean, I'll be honest. I do. I have. Ketman has challenged me because it's a dif- dangerous way to live our life because we basically sell our soul in order to keep the peace. And more and more and more Christians are are being caught, are being told to do this. It's maybe not out loud, but we're not allowed to speak what we really think, right? We're not allowed to speak God's word in truth. We feel like we have to be quiet. We feel like we have to dumb it down. We have, feel like we have to say, okay, well, I can't say that here, right? <laughs> See, growing up in a highly politicized, ethnically diverse, and sandwiched generation. How many Gen Xers are in here? If you know you're Gen X, you're a Gen X, right? You're in the sandwich generation, right? <laughs> the one where you're told, you know what, if you talk like that, you'll get in trouble. And so you just need to be quiet. You don't need to just grab onto a candidate. Just be quiet. Don't let anybody know who you're voting for because it's safer. Then you don't have to have the argument, right? That's what Gen Xers have been taught. But the problem is, is that Ketman, right, in a political correctness, wokeness culture that we live now is dangerous. It's dangerous to not stand up for truth. Truth that abortion is killing a baby. Truth that, oh my gosh, even if you don't believe in vaccines, don't say anything because you'll be put in that category. Or maybe you shouldn't talk about firearms because you know everybody will look at you weird. Or maybe you shouldn't say that, freedom of speech. You know, girls' sports aren't just for girls. Your friendships are on the line. Your job is on the line. Your reputation is on the line. Your influence is on the line. And we don't want to sacrifice all that for truth. So we just walk in Ketman. We're just, we're inside, we're not agreeing, but outside, we're just going with the flow. And truth is, is that we are not being true to our bridegroom. In Proverbs 12, 17 through 19, it says, a faithful witness speaks the truth. But a false witness utters lies. Thoughtless words cut deeply like a thrusting sword. But the truth, but the speech of the wise is a healing balm. Truth spoken will stand forever, but lies survive only briefly. We know who wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. The enemy can't win. But here's the thing, Jesus, truth, Jesus, truth, he's the same person. Truth has to win in here. He has to win in here first before he can win out there. And that's where we have to apply truth to our hearts and walk in truth. Can we be trusted with truth? You can. I believe that every single person in here, we can be trusted with the truth of who Jesus is and we can walk in truth. You see, that's why it's not about politics. It's really not. It's about Jesus living and ruling and reigning in our hearts. And as we walk out into this world that we live in, whether it's our job, whether it's raising a family, whether it's running a business, we live and walk in that truth, who is Jesus Christ. Alexander... Solzhenitsyn. Did I say it right? Yes, pretty good. Anybody heard of him? In the 1970s, he was a prisoner in communist Russia, and he, after he was um, exiled to the U.S., he wrote an essay back to the communist people because he knew that they couldn't just stand up and take over the government on their own. He knew that it was, it was a collective effort. He knew that it would have to be a work of the Lord, basically, right? That would come in and would, would break down that iron curtain. And we lived in that generation. I remember when my dad went over to Russia right after the iron curtain was down and him and Steve Witt ministered to the people and they had stadiums and salvations happening. I remember this, right? We lived through this. This was a miracle, but when Alexander came here, he wrote this essay back to them, and he suggested these things. And so when I read these things, I don't want you to think just in the natural. Think in the spiritual, too, because we have an enemy in the spiritual realm that that wants to keep us living lies that Jesus already set us free from. So number one, he said... You will not say, write, or affirm or distribute anything that distorts the truth. Think about that naturally and spiritually. What is in our mouth? What is in our mouth that we are saying? Are we stating the truth of the word? Are we saying lies? When we say, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed. I'm so broke. I'm so lonely. I'm so, I'm so worthless, right? No, we're, we're going to say the truth, but in the natural realm as well. Number two. Will not go to a demonstration or participate in a collective action unless we truly believe in the cause. Number three, will not take part in a meeting in which the discussion is forced and no one can speak the truth. Number four, will not vote for a candidate or a proposal he considers to be dubious or unworthy. Number five, will walk out of an event as soon as they hear the speaker utter a lie, ideolo- ideological dribble, or shameless propaganda. And number six, will not support journalism that distorts or hides the underlying facts. And I would add one more, will not support any corporation that propagates lies. How we as Christians live out these suggestions are determined by both our understanding of the scripture and the personal Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, right? That's right. We don't have a list of rules. I'm not going to tell you you're sinning if you go to Starbucks. But there are other coffee. There is other coffee. <laughs> but you're not. You're not. Holy Spirit will show us Where that line is for our hearts and our lives, right? Will we live in truth? No matter what, we will not live out Ketman. So we're going to talk today about what does truth lived out look like, and the reason why. And this is this is. I hope that I can just be honest with you guys today. The reason why I'm preaching this on a Sunday morning, because these messages are a lot more fitted towards Wednesday night services, (laughs) but I'm preaching this now is because if we don't talk about it now, when are we going to talk about it? Seriously. Like, why do you think they tried to shut us down? Because they don't want truth to be vocalized out into our families, into our churches, into our neighborhoods. We have to speak the truth while we have time to speak the truth. So what does truth live out look like? It looks like, and this is going to sound so simple, but it's not. It's so powerful. It looks like families and life groups as resistance cells. Families and life groups as resistance cells. Resisting the lies of the enemy. What are the lies of the enemy? That masculinity is toxic. That feminism is the way to go. <laughs> that children are a hassle. We as families and life groups have to model moral courage for each other. We build strong families, right? Right? guys, and I don't know if there's many single guys in here, but if you're single, marry the girl, right? <laughs> marry her. Work hard. Work hard. Have lots of babies. <laughs> After the wedding. <laughs> well, marry her. That's what That was first. <laughs> and be faithful to her, right? Be faithful to her. Girls, pray for your husband. Don't criticize him. Keep love and grace on your tongue and make your home beautiful. And teach your children about Jesus. This is resisting the lies of the devil. This is resisting the work of the enemy in our life. He wants to break up our family because family is, is the glue to culture and society. We resist the devil when we grab our wife by the hand and we pray for her. We lead our kids in prayer. Resistance also looks like love and unity. Hannah Arendt said that What prepares men for totalitarianism is that loneliness has become an everyday experience. In a world of great connectivity, we are lonely and isolated, starved of deep connection of soul with one another. They just want to separate us and put us in groups. You belong here, and you can't talk to them over there. They belong over here, and they belong over here, and you all can't talk to each other. Because you might realize that you love each other, right? You might realize that God loves all of you and you might come against us. Love and unity. Jesus said, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. This community is not meant to be done this way. Church, I'm talking about church. We shuffle in to big rooms And we stare one way. And then as soon as we say amen, we shuffle out and we're alone all week. That's not what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to bond with one another, love one another, pray for one another, eat with one another. Come on, chili, right? (laughs) This is why we're constantly screaming to you, get in a life group. Be discipled by somebody. Get that young person and disciple them. Read the Bible with them. Go to coffee with someone. Cry with one another. Share stories. Every single one of us should be in a discipleship relationship because this is resistance. We're resisting the work of the enemy, both in the natural realm and in the supernatural, spiritual realm. This is living in truth. Resistance looks, resistance looks like freedom. When I say freedom, I mean studying the word together. <laughs> Do you know what ensures freedom? This right here. Right. This ensures freedom, the truth. I love the story. Um, Dr. Summerall, for some of you guys that don't know Lester Summerall, he was my dad's spiritual father mentor. And Dr. Summerall, he was a huge, huge um, father of the faith, fed fed people all over the world, had an airplane, like a military airplane. He would pack food in there and just take it everywhere. He was an amazing man of God, and he knew Smith Wigglesworth. Everybody's heard of Smith Wigglesworth, right? And he would tell this story that when he was a young boy, he went, I think it was in London, he went to visit Smith Wigglesworth. And he was walking up to the door, and he had a newspaper underneath his arm. You might have heard him tell the story himself. He had a newspaper under his arm, and he walked up to Smith Wigglesworth's door, and he knocked on the door. And he opened the door and he said, what is that? It's a newspaper. And Smith grabbed it and threw it in the bushes. He said, you can come in. <laughs> and they sat in their front, his front room and Smith Wigglesworth, Wigglesworth opened his Bible and read the Bible for like 30 minutes and Dr. Summerall told the story, and after about 30 minutes, he shut his Bible, he put it down, he stood up, and he said, let's go, I'll lead you to the door, you can go now. <laughs> because this was the most important thing to him. He didn't need to know how he was doing, he didn't need to know like what was happening in the world, <laughs> right? he just needed, they needed to share the word together. That was his priority. Now, you know, I just said eat together, and I think that is important. This does prove a point, though. It proves a point that this is the answer to our freedom. <laughs> this is the answer to our bondage, right? The word of truth. In John eight thirty one through 32, it says, If you hear my voice, and abide in my word. You are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and that truth will give you freedom. That truth will give you freedom. We need to read it. We need to memorize it, meditate it, talk about it with one another, sing it, right? (laughs) I was privileged to be in a um, Service with Benny Hinn just the other day, and he was—he had the worship leaders sing this old song, and I—I I remember the song when I was like probably five or six years old, and so I was probably one of the very few in the room that remembered it. But um, it was just the word. It was just Psalms 19. Wow. The word of the Lord is pure. Anybody heard that? Mm. Sweeter than the honey or the honeycomb. Remember that song, April? It was so good. I've just been singing it all for the last two days straight, just singing it because it's the word. We, we just need, that's, this is all we need. That's it. If you need freedom, read your Bible. And I'm not saying that flippantly because I know sometimes you have to talk about it. I know that sometimes you need a friend to cry on their shoulder. I know that. But your friend should read you the Bible. Your friend should give you the word of truth. Because this word will never change. It'll never lie. It'll give us the freedom we need. Amen? Amen. Resistance looks like solidarity. And I know we hear a lot about solidarity. I'm not talking about the fist kind of solidarity, I'm talking about as a means of evangelism. (laughs) As a means of evangelism, banners of truth in love. We have the truth. And people out there are desperate for it. They're so hungry for Jesus. They're so hungry for real love. This new generation, oh my gosh, they're so ripe. (laughs) They're so ripe. They just need love and they will be like, please tell me the truth. They see the garbage. They know everything's a lie. They know he's not a girl. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, you guys, seriously. But it's a homecoming queen, right? It's not for a boy. And these girls are being torn apart in who they are, who God's created them to be. They're so hungry for the truth, In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, live a life that is worthy of the calling he has graciously extended to you. And he's talking to every single one of us. Paul is talking to all of us. He says, be humble, be gentle, be patient, tolerate one another in an atmosphere thick with love, make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit the Spirit has already created, with peace binding you together. When the world sees that kind of love, they are going to beg us to come in. They're going to beg us for what we have because they are so hungry for truth and for love. And we don't win the world by yelling at them. We win them by telling them the truth and love. Anybody know Jordan Peterson? Jordan Peterson is a very smart guy. He was a um, professor in, in Canada and got some, into some trouble for a freedom of speech issue where he refused to use pronouns, and he got really famous because of it. And now he has a huge um, blog and video, and he speaks all over the country. Anyways, he's a very smart guy. But I've be- watched him find Jesus. Yeah. Anybody see that? Yeah. Like, he is, he is so close, if not already, a born-again believer, because he's read this Bible and he's like, this is truth. This is truth. (laughs) And he says that churches have an amazing opportunity right now that, and they have an obligation to invite the young men back. That's what he says. Invite the young men back. Say literally to those young men, you are welcome here. If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose for your life. We want your time, your energy, your effort, your masculinity, your will, your goodwill. We want to work with you to make things better, to produce life and more abundant life for you and for your wife and your children and for your community and for your country and the world. And he said that we should even get a billboard and put it on the billboard. (laughs) Like, come back to church. We'll accept you and we'll tell you about Jesus and we'll tell you the truth (laughs) And we see that. We see that they, this whole generation needs to know that they're loved by a heavenly father. Oliver Anthony is, a, is, is proof of it. Oliver Anthony is this guy, this one song that went viral, and now he's like got huge concerts planned all over the nation. They're begging him to put on concerts because there's a solidarity that the world is longing for, And it can be found in the love of their heavenly father and their identity in Christ Jesus. So are we going to give them the gospel of truth or the gospel of comfort? Each one of us must choose the gospel of truth over the gospel of comfort. In 1 Thessalonians 5 And it's 1 through 11, but I'm just going to read little bits of it. In verse 2, it says, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. Can you feel it? Like we know it can be any day. We know it can be any moment. Jesus is going to cut those clouds right in two, and he's going to come. While they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, this is the good news. We are not in darkness. Paul says you're not in darkness so that the day would overtake you like a thief for you are all sons of light and sons of day. So if we are not in darkness, what do we do? We have a gospel to preach. We have a gospel to preach. We have to be the light in the darkness. We have to be the one voice that will say the truth, that will tell the truth. It's not all peace and safety. You can't live like you want to live. That's not reality. That's not truth. You have to make a choice to live by the word of God. says that we have to be alert and sober. That means we have responsibility to the gospel of truth. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. He died so that we could know the truth, so that we would be awake. Now we have a responsibility to live out that truth and put it on our lips. The gospel is good news. And the good news is truth. We've mixed up faith with prosperity and peace and safety. And that era, let me just make an announcement, that era is over in the kingdom. The era is over. The gospel of truth, the gospel, it's time to preach the gospel with a backbone, You know, I read in um, The Voice of the Martyrs. Anybody know that ministry? The Voice of the Martyrs, where they, even today, there are people being killed for Jesus. Every day. Every day. I read in the, the most recent magazine, this little Mexican woman being kidnapped and beaten. Why? Because she, t- she, she taught Sunday school. Because she gave Bibles away to little villages. There was nothing wrong with her faith. Are you kidding me? She may have the strongest, biggest faith of anyone we've ever met before, right? It's a gospel of truth. The Benda family was one of the dissidents in the communism regime in Czechoslovakia, and Vaclav Benda was sentenced to jail, and he left his wife to raise their four children by by herself. And after a few years in jail, he was told by the regime that he could renounce his religion and stand against communism, and he would be exiled with his family to the U.S. Could you imagine how tempting that was? (laughs) And he went and he sent word to his wife, and he said, Should we do it? I mean, you're by yourself. You're raising these four kids. And she said, no, no, don't sell out your truth. Don't sell it, she said. And he stayed in jail until the Iron Curtain fell and he was finally released. Could we do that? Could we make a stand in faith that says, I'm not going to back down from truth. I don't care what it costs me. All but one of the apostles were martyred for their faith. Peter refused to be crucified the same way as Jesus. You know, John was the one that didn't, that wasn't martyred, but they did try to boil him a few times. <laughs> and he just wouldn't die. So they put him on Patmos. I think he was probably afraid of him by then. But Paul was most likely beheaded after the great fire of Rome. And Nero was believed to have started that fire so that he could rebuild the way he wanted to. Hmm. Yeah. Come on. Let's talk about (sighs) For the preservation of great deception, truth will always suffer great persecution. When there are a lot of lies out there, truth will be persecuted. Will we stand or will we sell? truth will always triumph. The moment we stand up for truth and stand against illusion, a lie, we can expect persecution. But this is not a faith problem. It's actually quite the opposite. This is a faith triumph. Amen. Come on. Those who are willing to endure persecution for the truth have the greatest faith. That little woman down in Mexico She's an unknown hero, right? You know, it's almost embarrassing, my experience so far with persecution. <laughs> it's like I don't even want to read it, Adrian. <laughs> I got a few mean comments for burning my shoes. Some of you might be mad at me today. Probably not, though, because you guys are pretty amazing. You would have gone a long time ago. <laughs> But Adrian didn't get a job that he interviewed for. It was like a two-month process, right? Because he, and it would have been a really good job, guys. (laughs) But he stood for the truth. I don't shop at Target anymore, and sometimes it's really annoying because I hate Walmart. (laughs) Don't wear Nikes, so on, so on. And it's not a big deal, right? First world problems. It's like first world persecution. <laughs> but when we are faithful in the little things, we build strength to be faithful in the bigger things. Luke 16.10, he says, the one who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. Do we think that when it's all of the sudden in our face that we're going to confess Christ? If we can't take the little stands now, we have to build up our faithfulness. We have to begin to draw the line now so that we can stand in the face of persecution. But we don't have to fear. We are marked with truth. Did you know that you are marked with truth? in Ephesians 1:13 and 14 and I'm closing I have two more scripture verses. It says because you too have heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and because you believed in the one who is truth, your lives are marked with his seal. Isn't that a good news? Like we are marked with his seal. This is none other than the Holy Spirit who was promised as the guarantee toward the inheritance we are to receive when he frees and rescues all who belong to him. To God be all praise and glory. We can declare that I am marked with the seal of truth. Every one of us in here has been marked with the seal of truth. And now we have a responsibility to the gospel of truth. Paul commissioned Timothy, and he said, Timothy, I need you to lead in truth. And today, I believe God is commissioning us to lead in truth, to lead our families, to lead our friends, our coworkers, that there would be lights like flaming fires of truth everywhere we go, you know, I can just imagine as we walk out this building, as we go out these, these little driveways, we are spreading out, <laughs> and it's like the fire of truth, the fire of Jesus spreading out all over our neighborhoods and our communities and our workplaces. And if we stand for the truth of the gospel, Jesus will be glorified. But he also wants to give us the gift of discernment because it is easy to be deceived. And this is why this is so important, because if this is hidden in our hearts, it's easier to spot a lie. Right. That's right. It's easier to spot a lie. In 2 Timothy 2.15, and Dave, if you don't mind coming, it says, Timothy, do everything you can to present yourself to God as a man who is fully genuine. You are real. You are true, Right? a worker unashamed of your mission, a guide capable of leading others along the correct path defined by the word of truth. So this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that this campus and every campus in church on the North Coast and every other church that confesses Christ right, would be a pillar of truth in this community. A pillar of truth. That the darkness would not be able to penetrate. Because darkness can't stay forever. Light always overcomes the darkness. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. With every eye closed and with every head bowed, We're just going to ask you, Jesus, to come in this morning, this afternoon, (laughs) with the fire of your Holy Spirit that would mark us with the truth of who you are, that we would be able to discern darkness, to discern the lie of the enemy, both personally, when he tries to come in and speak lies to our identity and the love of Jesus, say that we're worthless say that there's no point in trying say that we made too many mistakes or if the lies are more community broad trying to wiggle their ways into our public school systems into our children's books into our sports into our government Father I pray that every single one of us would be armed with truth. That we would be discerners of truth. And that we would be bold as a lion to stand up against the lies of the enemy. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you are the truth, you are the way, and you are our